Chapter Twelve of the Night Side of New York by members of the New York Press. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A fashionable gambling house. Gambling is not as yet a fashionable vice in this country. No state legalizes it. All clubs restrict it. And any member of society who would dare introduce a faro table to vary the excitements of an evening's entertainments would find his halls deserted and himself ostracized. What may be the vogue at Paris is the horror of New York, and he who melts his gold at Rouge et Noir in Baden with a thousand eyes upon him would be execrated here. To say that such a one is a gambler is to say all the bad that can be said of him. Every respectable man shuns him, no society would tolerate him, and every office of trust and honor is barred against him. It's a curse that follows him, and he finds no associates save depraved characters, and no resting place save their secret haunts. We may thank the pure morality of our earlier times, and their still weakly honored traditions, for this excellent fiat of society. For our stern ancestry were very fierce against the laxity of European society, and were very determined that, in the new world, open gambling should not prevail is it not true that the stigma of gambler is a terrible curse take the political world for example thieving swindling perjury and a hundred other crimes are the legacies of almost each candidate yet the people wink at all these enormities as if they were chronic with political life and vote them into office and out of office and yet we are to hear of a notorious gambler bold enough to throw himself upon the suffrages of the people notwithstanding all we have said gambling institutions flourish and the wealth invested in them is estimated at a million of dollars but they are all under the ban and flourish from week to week liable at any moment to a visit from the police one of the most fashionable of these establishments to use a misnomer is an imposing edifice within the shade of the fifth avenue hotel and managed by a wealthy individual who essayed some years ago to win the champion belt of america he won a doubtful success or at least a much disputed one in the ring but if fortune was uncertain there she has since been his steady friend and this ex-pugilist rolls in wealth and can create the very devil among the shylocks of the stock exchange and fast bankers match their horses with him on the harlem lane and swell the stakes of his own race-course during the saratoga season a very alert specimen of the sable race cautiously admits us into the frescoed hall crossing which he bows us into a well-lighted and gorgeously decorated and furnished parlor there is nothing in the furniture or decorations to make this room discernible from the drawing-room of a family mansion unless it be that colors are more deeply contrasted and show is more prominent than elegance perhaps some of the paintings are more voluptuous the absence of drapery more general with the painted beauties than people are accustomed to who don't know the story of the chenchi a table covered with fine damask and loaded with the luxuries of a roman banquet is arranged at the upper end lights gleam upon the silverware and crystal and a pyramid of purple grapes juicy fruits green leaves and flowers grace the centre attentive waiters serve you with dainty confectionery 
solids, creams, and game. There is pale golden sherry, and their stemmed glasses to sip it from. Brandy for heavy palates, widow Clicquot, or Heidsick, iced to perfection, and served in elegant chaste goblets. A sumptuous free lunch for all who wish to pay their respects to the tiger. This animal, with his gnawing fangs, has his cage in the further salon. A wide apartment running the full width of the house and opening out of the refreshment room. A roulette board and a faro table are the centers of attraction. The faro dealer has the larger court. From its varied luck, it's the most favored game of the newly fledged gambler. The dealer of this bank is a good-looking, sharp-eyed fellow with a neatly trimmed mustache and the air of a self-possessed dandy. It was worth a critical survey the dexterity with which he handled his pictures, and his diamond ring was ever shooting a continuous ray of sparks. At his side sat the cashier, very busy in converting greenbacks into bones, and now and then reversing the order of things to the pleasure of some fortunate winner. The group clustering around the gaming table is composed of varied professions. The uniform of the army was quite conspicuous young officers and scarred veterans reckless in play as at the battlefront true disciples of mars dry-goods drummers showing the sights to customers from the rural districts swore big oaths squirted tobacco juice furiously and meekly lost the profits of their next day's bill of sale young men venturing their first gold upon the card looking very nervous, as if the apparition of defrauded employers haunted them, stung perhaps with remorse. Oh, the empty till, the false balance, the forged name, these must be their resources on the morrow. Doctors, lawyers, merchants, no habitual haunters of these enticing rooms, but casual visitors from the clubs where they have lost a little, now hampered by no rules let their passion have full sway playing deeper and deeper their blood heated by the flowing wines they'll let the night roll by before they leave that fascinating board skulking around these like foul birds on the battlefield sneak the haggard livid professionals the same hang-dog faces you see about the corner of prince and broadway on a sunny afternoon twisting their dyed moustaches and eyeing the victim they have roped in, who will not escape their fangs until his last dollar is oozed out of him. The gaming seemed all one way, when a young foreigner, who had been an idle spectator, ventured his luck. Faro is a game the chances of which are as a hundred to eighty in favor of the bank, yet this stranger scarcely lost a counter. The tide was in his favor even the stolid dealer showed a nervousness others attempting to follow in the foreigner's track had their checks swamped while his were doubled was this one of those individuals known to us through the sensation novels who break banks and win fortunes in a single sitting well his luck just lasted fifteen minutes by the watch it's all the other way now the banker looks pleased and the foreigner is dismayed let's leave them here we have no moral to preach empty pockets will talk potently to some 
those livid-faced, flashy-dressed patrons of the house will frighten off many. The pawnbrokers and the police will know more. Let's take a smoking cup of Black Charlie's coffee and some broiled oysters sprinkled with parsley, and then recross the threshold forever of this palatial gambling hell. End of chapter 12